This is your host, Aaron Goldberg, Certified Financial Planner and Private Wealth Advisor at AWM Capital. Today, we're going to talk about the three biggest tax mistakes we see with professional golfers. The whole point of this is let's keep as much money in your pocket and under your control as possible and as little as possible going to the the government because we, we already know that we're going to be paying a lot in taxes but let's do everything we can to keep as much in our pocket and also use the most tax efficient ways to grow our money so that our end purpose is having an after tax net worth that is as high as possible because that's what we can do what we want with that money, which is either spend it, save it or give it. So without uh, any more delay, let's get into some of those mistakes that we see. The number one mistake that I typically see uh, with professional golfers is with their quarterly estimated taxes. And there's two things that we see wrong. Number one, a lot of times we see people that actually don't even pay the quarterly estimated taxes. And this is a huge issue because now you're going to be paying penalties and interest on those penalties along the way. So if you're Unfortunately, the IRS doesn't let us just calculate what we made at the end of the year and pay our taxes by April 15th. April 15th is the tax deadline to file our taxes to finalize everything and reconcile any differences. But along the way, they want you paying an estimated amount based on what you've been making either in that year or there is a calculation based on what you made last year. Um, But we do need to be making payments along the way. The second mistake as part of those quarterly estimated taxes that we see is is a huge overpayment. And like I said earlier, you know, we already know we're going to be paying a lot in taxes. Why pay any more than we have to? Because essentially all that is is a loan to the IRS that they'll give you as a refund once you file. So if you're overpaying on your April quarterly estimated uh, payment and then your June and then your third quarter one, all of a sudden, now we're loaning the government money for a year, nine months, six months, three months. Why would we do that? We're not going to get compensated for it. They're not going to pay you any interest for it. That's for sure. So let's make sure that we get a fairly accurate accounting of what you're making in in this current tax year so that we know that we're paying the right amount of quarterly taxes. Unfortunately, what I typically see is and I don't know if this is out of laziness on the accountant's part or just the fact that they're not going to they know they're not going to take the time to keep up with it throughout the year. So they'll just base it off, hey, last year made, you made X amount. So that's what you're, we're going to assume you're going to make next year. And so we're going we're gonna to break that down into a quarterly payment. Well, that's fine and good for a, num- a normal W-2 employee that's at a job that they either have the same salary or maybe they get a 3% raise. That's totally fine. But for you as a golfer, we all know your income is going to fluctuate. You may make way more or way less this year. If you had a really good year last year, And this year, you're off to not as hot of a start. The last thing we want to do is be paying the same amount of taxes based on last year's income if we're nowhere near that income level this year. So it's really important to make sure that we're doing this along the way. And that's why we talk about all the time that your tax planning is a 365 day a year 
uh, endeavor. It's not a December 31st and April 15th endeavor. We want to make sure that we're doing this all along the way to make sure it's as accurate as possible and efficient as possible so we can keep as much money in your pocket throughout the year as well as at the end of the year and uh, at the, after the tax when you file your taxes uh, so that you can use that money for yourself and to uh, improve your human capital. Make sure that you're getting everything you can out of your golf game. So number two big mistake that we see uh, on tax returns and tax planning for uh, professional golfers is not taking advantage of retirement plan contributions. Now, if you're really young, the last thing you're thinking about is retirement. But think of it more as tax advantaged accounts. So let's we're first going to use the example of a good year of income where you're in one of the higher tax brackets. What I see commonly used, and I was guilty of this as well, is a SEP IRA. I didn't, it's fine. It does a good job. It gets you most of the way there. But is pretty good, good enough for you? Or do you want to do the, what's best for you? So the difference between a SEP IRA and what you should be using, which is an individual 401k, are two things. Number one, with the individual 401k, you have the ability to make what's called a backdoor Roth contribution. And number two, you have the ability to make a Roth contribution. So first, let's go over the uh, ability to make a backdoor Roth contribution. If you made a lot of money this year and you're, or last year and you're in a high tax bracket, you want to put as much money into the pre-tax account, like the individual 401k or the SEP IRA. They have the same limits and max that out. Good. We're done with that. But now we can also make an additional $6,000 contribution to a non-deductible IRA and then turn around and, and turn that into a Roth IRA, what's called a backdoor Roth contribution. And now that money is going to grow tax-free for the rest of your life. Now you may be thinking, hey, $6,000 that's not that big a deal in the grand scheme of things. Like, why would I go through all that effort to do that? Well, number one, you're not going to go through the effort. Your team is going to do that for you. And number two, think about it this way. Let's say you're 25 years old and you make that $6,000 contribution for the next 25 years until you're 50. While you're playing, hopefully you have a nice long career. You know, that's 25 years of that $6,000 contribution. Now, when you get to 60 years old, Let's say you were getting just a, a rate of return of 6% all along the way. That $6,000 a year for 25 years is now going to have grown to $630,000. It's a pretty good chunk of money. And when you think about it, now this money is all tax-free. You can use a dollar or all $630,000 and every dollar of it is going to be tax-free. If you didn't go through that extra step of putting it into uh, the non-deductible IRA and then converting it to a Roth IRA, you'd owe, if you were in a 30% tax bracket between federal and state, $144,000 in taxes on that account if you were to be pulling it out. It's $144,000 tax saving for making one or two extra steps for you, that your team's going to do for you. Sounds like a pretty good idea to me. And that's why we want to use the individual 401k as opposed to the SEP IRA, because it allows us to do that. Now, the second part of that that I mentioned was, what about it making the Roth 401k contribution? So this is the other, other end of the spectrum. If you're in a bad tax year in terms of, let's say you didn't perform as well, or you got hurt and you didn't play as much. So you're in the lower tax brackets this year. 
Maybe we're not as concerned about avoiding taxes this year, but what we do want to do is save that money in the same type of Roth account that we were talking about earlier, where that money is going to grow tax-free for the rest of your life. We can do that with the individual 401k by using the Roth 401k. We can't do that in a SEP IRA. There is no Roth SEP IRA. So it's really important that we take advantage of that Roth 401k in those lower tax years. So now instead of just sticking the money in the bank and it's going to be taxed every time it has any growth, we're able to take advantage of these tax sheltered accounts and grow that money tax free for the rest of your life. The other, the third part of this is if you have a, a low tax year, this happened to me. I had played well for a few years. I'd made some good money. I'd made my contributions to my SEP IRA. You know, we already talked about, I didn't know any better, but I at least made those contributions to avoid some major taxes in the high tax years. I got hurt and for two years, I didn't make a dime. So I'm in now a 0% tax bracket for the, the, since I didn't make any money. What I should have done if I would have known better and if my tax team at the time, it was a CPA that did a great job for normal employees, but he didn't have any business advising a golfer. He didn't know anything about it. Nobody told me I should do this, but I should have converted the money that was in my SEP IRA to a Roth IRA and taken advantage of my zero tax year. And I would have paid probably in the range of 10% in tax on the money I would have converted and never had to pay tax on that money again. At the time, I was 29 years old and 30 years old could have grown for the next 30 years tax-free and never have to pay taxes on it again. Instead, I wasted those two years of no taxes. And now that money, I didn't pay any tax those two years, but now that money's growing, but it's always going to be taxable every dollar of it in the future. So, you know, hindsight, it would have been great to do. I wish I would have done it. And it's going to end up costing me in my retirement and in the long run, uh, a good amount in taxes. But you know, at least I know now, and this is part of the reason that we're doing these videos and these podcasts is so that we can share some of this knowledge that, you know, I wish I would have known when I was playing. Uh, and now I know after getting credentialed, getting studying and, and getting my certified financial planner designation, we know some of these things that we should be doing for athletes and trying to share that knowledge. The third mistake that I see when it comes to taxes for professional golfers is looking at their residency days, if they're trying to file for residency in a state that has a really low or no tax uh, state tax. Now, we've talked about this before on this, but uh, if you live in California, obviously you were at one of the highest tax brackets, especially if you make over a million dollars. Arizona's taxes are going up. You know, some of the like New York has a really high tax rate, but Florida, Texas, Nevada all have 0% state taxes. So everybody would love to file their state taxes there. But what is the IRS really looking at? And what are those state governments really looking at when it comes to whether they qualify you as a resident or not? And that's a really important thing to be looking at and talking about with your tax team. I've heard so many different stories from different players, different coaches, different caddies, Everybody out there, even different financial advisors that just don't know. And they it, it ends up spreading a lot of noise and people are looking for, you know, what sounds the best. But it, in, in reality, it probably isn't accurate. The reason why we want to make sure that this is accurate is if you, fi if you say that you're living in, let's say, Nevada, but really California is going to 
come back and say, no, you lived here, you owe our state taxes. Yeah, you saved some tax that year, but guess what? When they come get you in you know three to five years, you're going to not only owe the back taxes, but then you're going to owe penalties, then you're going to owe interest on all that. It's going to end up being a huge bill and it's going to be a huge headache. And that is has to be a distraction for you on the golf course. So I'm not saying don't file for residency in a different state or in a lower tax state. What I am saying is make sure you understand exactly what you need to do. We've talked about this before and you can go back. We did a whole podcast on it. But the, the main things are there's the, the first foundational things like having a place that you live, getting your driver's license, registering your car. Those are, as my uh, colleague put it, those are the monopoly, don't pass go, do not collect $200 type of thing. If you don't have that, then don't even think about trying this. But if you have all those set in place, what they're really going to be looking at is in your off weeks, let's say you play 28 weeks out of the year, that leaves 24 weeks that you are not playing on the PGA Tour or whatever tour you're playing. In those 24 weeks, where are you spending your time? 50% plus a day needs to be in the state that you are claiming. And if that's not the case, you're going to have a really hard time proving it, that you are a resident of that state. And they will go as far as to get your credit card statements and see where you are making purchases and charges during that time. And they will be able to get your phone records and see what cell phone towers your phone is getting uh, triggered off of. So we've gone through those audits with our players before, and that is what they will look at. So it's really important to understand what you need to be doing in order to comply with that. Because yes, it can save you a lot of money to file in Nevada or Texas or Florida as in comparison to those other states, but make sure you're actually doing it and doing it just justifying why you're filing there. Don't just try to whip something together that says, oh yeah, I live there, but you know, in actuality, you're spending most of your time somewhere else. So those are the three biggest mistakes we see and the most common. Again, the, the reason we're talking about this is we want to make sure that you not only are getting the best uh, service and the best advice possible, but so that that money is staying in your pocket so you can reinvest that in yourself and maximize your after-tax net worth and maximize your potential on the golf course. I hope that this is helpful. This should be something that you've at least heard and that your tax team is able to advise you on. We are in the show notes. We are going to include a PDF of Uh, some of the questions you should be asking your tax team and your wealth management team. If you would like that PDF, check out our show notes on the podcast or our website. Uh, If you're on YouTube, uh, you can hit the link and send us an email and we will send that out to you. Um, While you're on those sites, if you can give us a rating, a thumbs up, uh, a share, that'd be really great. What it does is it helps get this in front of more of your colleagues, more players uh, that this advice can help. And it really uh, lets us get more information out there. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can email me at agoldberg at awmcap.com. I love to get questions. That's where some of our last podcasts came from or questions that were sent in. So love to continue to be able to do that. So until next time, be a pro and own your wealth.
The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized, financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.